And we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey, your host, one half of the Corner Full of Fat Podcast. And I'm back like I never left with another installment of Wealth Wednesdays here on the Corner Full of Fat Podcast. We discuss health and wealth, finances and fitness, and everything in between. And we want to make sure you save more and say less and keep making better your best. Yes, yes. However, I started these Wealth Wednesdays when my co-host Jordan went on paternity leave and we get straight to the finance topics on Wealth Wednesdays. And I know y'all see the topic of this video. Now, I'm going to be very clear. I can't remember if I was supposed to do another article before this video. I don't think I was. But I, I, if I was, then tough luck because they, they're done out of order. But I've said many of times, I've already said this before. You're not anxious and depressed. You're just broke. That's going to be the title of this video. But how a lot of people who are struggling financially, that may actually be the true root cause of their mental health issues. Not a mental health professional, not a financial professional. Right. Don't see me see your mom. I'll get that you know, a little bit. But as I've said many of times, stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression, depression, self-termination, a lot of people have stress, right? A lot of people are anxious and depressed, but they don't look at the stressor or the main cause to that. And a lot of times the main cause is financial stress. So today we're going to get into an article that details how finances impact your mental health. All right. But before we do that, make sure that like button, share and subscribe to the YouTube algorithm, my information, as well as my co-host information, Jordan, our contact information is in the show notes on YouTube. We can reach out to Jordan for online virtual training. You can reach out to myself for the financial coaching. I think that's going to be the new way that I do the advertisement for ourselves. But before it's almost that time, we talk about almost every every Wednesday. Y'all know I keep the banner up, student loans. Okay, stuff can, they're just breadcrumbing it, right? It's just, it's matriculate the ball down the field, boys. Or men, maybe it says men. Regardless, student loans, it's like they're, we're almost there for some type of update. The House, they're trying to repeal everything that Biden's done to the point where they might even make it. I think student loans were given between September 2022 and March 2022. If you had had that forgiveness, they're going to make it so that that didn't occur and they're going to put your loans back on the books. It's getting crazy. Today is May uh, 31st. Last day of May, right? We're almost almost halfway through the year. I know I'm dropping this at the towards the end of at the end of the day on Wednesday instead of the beginning of the day. That's because I had some stuff going on and I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't rushing this episode. But the student loan episode is we're almost there. So when that ball does drop from the Supreme Court, we will be discussing everything and anything to make sure one, y'all up to date on what did actually occur from a legal standpoint, from a ruling, and then two. What's actually about to happen with the student loans? In short, for right now, if you have less than twenty thousand, if you got a Pell Grant, or excuse me, more than twenty thousand, you got a Pell Grant, or more than ten thousand, and you did not get a Pell Grant, you're still going to have student loans, okay? Because that, that those were the caps: ten thousand for people who didn't have a Pell Grant, then twenty k for people who did have a Pell Grant. Now, when are student loans going to start back up? It's sixty day or two months slash sixty days, um, whichever come first, either two months after June 30th or when the ruling happens. Again, we're, we're, we're coming up on, you know, May anyways. So it's likely going to be, you know, late July, August timeframe if the ruling happens before June 30th. However, that's when the student loans can start back up. When your actual payment 
starts back up is going to be based on each provider. So every provider is going to have a different time on when they're actually going to start your payments back up. So just because, you know, the ruling happens, let's say it happens on June 30th. So two months from that will technically be August 30th. That doesn't mean your payment is going to be due that day. So you're going to have to actually wait to hear from your loan servicer on when your student loan payments are going to start back up. It's already been coming out that they might act, they might not actually start back up until October because it's going to take that long to turn everybody's student loan back on. So just because it's going to be two months after the hearing doesn't mean your first payment is due two months from that, from that day. That's the earliest it can be, but it doesn't mean it will start that day. Now, what is going to start as soon as the hearing is over or, you know, on July 1st, technically, and this is just what, you know, we're told it hasn't happened yet, but the interest is supposed to start back up right away. So whenever the hearing ends slash July 1st, that, you know, that next day after the hearing ends, if it's not June 30th, the interest is supposed to start right away. It's not your payment. But the interest, okay, not 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 your payment, but your interest is going to start accruing essentially as soon as that hearing happens again or June 30th, which was just one thing instead of, you know, trying to always have to figure out what it is. But we're almost there anyways to talk about it. So that's something that you need to be mindful of. Now, will the interest likely show right away? Unlikely, once your loan actually gets, you know, I don't know, it's not, I mean, it didn't go away, but once it, uh, it's in deferment, so once it's no longer, I guess, in deferment, then you might see those interest charges again. Not everybody's student loan, but millions of millions of student loans are in this forbearance for deferment. I said deferment forbearance right now. You can imagine it's not just going to be a swift, you know, click, you know, quick update just to get everybody's student loans turned back on, quote unquote. So you might have a delay when you see some things. Make sure you have your balance of what your student loan is before they turn back on, just in case the numbers get mixed up, you know exactly what you have on your end, just in case there's a discrepancy. All right, make sure you guys keep in track of this. If you're in a situation where you're waiting, you've been waiting, right? You've been saving money on the side, just in case this for, uh, forgiveness that happened, you know, it's been over three years now um, since the pandemic started and now it's over. But if you've been saving the money this entire time and now you're waiting to see, I would just go ahead and pay it off. It's leaning to like it's probably not going to happen. So if you're able to pay it off, go ahead and pay it off. And then if you end up getting the, the forgiveness doesn't end up going through, then you'll just wait, you know, wait for that refund or whatever that's going to be. I mean, it's, it's going to be madness if it does go through. It's a lot going on. But if you're still going to have student loans, regardless of the forgiveness does happen, go ahead and work that minimum payment back into your budget for June. I've already said this before. I told you guys months ago to just go. I probably said it years ago because we call, kept on, you know, all right, student loans going to start back up and they didn't. I've probably been saying it for over a year now to just start making your, your student loan payment. But now definitely for sure you need to make it. The extension, they said there's no, no more extensions. Now, whether or not there's going to be some other new program or things like that, you know, that's really neither here nor there right now. Right now, prepare for student loans to start back up sometime this year, you know, late, late summer, uh, early fall. All right. Now, that's that's it for that. But now we're going to get into the article. And before I do get started, don't sue me, sue your mama for entertainment purposes only. We're going to talk about how finance impact, impact mental health. I'm not a health professional. I'm not, I'm not neither. I'm not a health or mental health professional. Myself, neither Jordan are health or mental health professionals or financial professionals. You need to do your own research and seek out a professional. All this information is for entertainment purposes only. All right, but we're about to get into it today. All right, y'all, here we go. And we're not going to CNBC. This is a longer article. We are going to bank rate. Now, y'all know I struggle to share the screen, but this this is going to be a good one. And this, I'm going to say it now, this, this might be over an hour. That's why I didn't uh, record it. 
the day before because if I'm going to no, I'm gonna go over an hour, I'm going to make sure I have the time and not rush it because this is a pretty lengthy article. There we go. Let me see how that looks. It's Sharon. Let me scroll down. So. Oh, no. Nah. See, it's, see, it's so blurry on my end. It's pixelated. Sorry for the for the podcast listeners. All right, all right, there we go. That looks better. All right, y'all. Here we go. Bank rate article, debt and mental health statistics. Shout out to Gary V. Shout out to the Internet Timestamps. That's where I got the idea from. See, this is published January thirty first, twenty twenty three. This is a nine minute read, so this is going to take an hour. But there's a lot of statistics in here, so we'll see how much I agree slash disagree with. But I I have already said this before. I have been saying many of times. Many and many of times, you're not anxious and depressed. You're just broke. Stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression, depression, self-deletion. If you are struggling with mental health, one of my very first questions would be, what do your finances look like? I mean, look at this lady. Look at look at this lady. This lady looks stressed looking at these bills, probably a medical bill and like a credit card. All right, here we go. Published January 31st, 2023. This is written by Lane. Ellipsy, edited by Tori Rubloff. Again, for those of you first time watching this, listening to it, I don't read the articles ahead of time, and the names of the authors usually always trip me up. I think I did a good time this time. All right, bank rate promise. Okay, that's just that's just a disclaimer or something. All right, because money can have a huge effect on day to day mental health. I can, I can end it. I could end it right there. The, the, the first line, money can have a huge effect on day-to-day mental health. Done. Personal finance management and keeping debt low. Oh my goodness. Oh, we're gonna get if we get into the if they have statistics on how mental health correlates with debt slash DTI, how much debt you have. Oh my goodness. In theory, right? So manage your money better and keeping debt low in theory lead to better peace of mind. Why wouldn't it be? If you're not struggling, all right, here we go. Let me read the article. I mean, let me not react to every word. But after years of COVID-19 effects, economic downturns, and rising costs of living, staying out of debt just isn't as simple as keeping a budget bull. See, here's the issue. All right, let me read a little bit more if I react, because I can already tell. It's going to be like the uh, the non-Black figure one, where I'm, I'm going to have a counter to every sentence. All right, so being in debt or even worrying about finances generally is negatively, in, negatively impacting people's mental health. As of April 22nd, so April 2022, 20% of U.S. adults who say that money negatively affects their mental health say that they worry about it daily. That's a 30% of adults in the U.S. worry about it daily. That's, that's my goodness. Here's how debt affects the mental health, regardless of income, age, or other factors of U.S. adults. This is going to be, regardless of how much money you make, how old you are, and this has other factors. But let me get, get to it real quick when it's saying, Economic downturns and rising costs of living, staying out of debt just isn't as simple as keeping a budget. Here's the issue. Your budget just is a plan or you lay out how you plan, right? And same word again, but how you plan on spending your money. But the part that people miss is being intentional with that budget or executing it, tracking the transactions. So you say you're going to spend $100 here. Are you actually executing that slash tracking the transactions to show that you spent $100 there and didn't go over budget? When it comes to economic downturns, the rising costs coming out of the pandemic, not really because the pandemic, there was a whole bunch of money to be made during the pandemic. If you went out here and fumbled the bag, 
during the pandemic, that's on you if you fumble the pandemic back. Your expenses, let's be clear, inflation was really only crazy high towards the end of the pandemic, right? It wasn't high in 2020 or 2021. 2022, and then you know, now it's 2023. That's when, okay, we're seeing some crazy inflation numbers, but a whole bunch of Americans went out and bought a freaking house during the pandemic. So I don't hear about no economic downturn. People were spending money during the pandemic. Let's be very clear. So to say, you know, economic downturns, rising costs, things like that. Yes, those impact your finances, but to make it seem like there wasn't a situation for people in America to lock in and start saving some money, that's not the case. There were plenty of jobs to be had out here. Now, if you don't want to go work a job, that's on you. But people, I mean, people in the sense of jobs, companies are still saying, you know, hi, come in. Everybody's still hiring right now. So let, let's be let's be very clear on that. But here we go. Key bank rate insights on debt and mental health. I, lo I love the bank rate articles. I think I might actually like them more than CNBC. Just, I just love the UI. Anyways, 46% of U.S. cardholders carry a credit card balance from month to month. That's half. That's insane. This is why the recommendation is, you know, to not use a credit card because, you know, 50% chance, 46% chance that you're not going to pay it off. 43% of cardholders with debt say they don't know all of the interest rates on their credit cards that they carry balances on month to month. One of the things with that is a lot of times these interest rates, as I'm taking off my socks, one, a lot of the times these interest rates, they're variable. They're not um, fixed. So when it comes to credit cards, so it's going to be hard to know how much your interest rate is if it's always changing. 57% of those who say money-related issues cause a negative impact on their mental health say not having sufficient emergency savings is affecting them. 60% are saying the main, the main cause for their mental health issues in regard to the money is lack of emergency fund. And most people don't even. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the book. I gotta get the book. Let me see how I was looking on camera. Look, hey, no, no sponsorship. Fair use, fair use. This this is why it's so funny that people knock on the Dave Ramsey book when the data and statistics clearly show that most people, as a 50 percent or sixty percent, whatever, don't even have four hundred dollars. Let me see what that is. Only one in three Americans, here we go, I'm sharing the screen, we get the data. Only one in three Americans can comfortably cover a $400 emergency expense. That's from January 24, 2023. That means 66%, two thirds can't, which is relatively the same number here. So that's 66%. Then we're seeing 57%, 60, 66, however you want to look at it. Say the, the, um, the money-related issues causing negative impact on mental health is due to the lack of insufficient funds when it comes to their emergency fund. And if we're talking about four hundred dollars. We're talking about you know one third can afford four hundred dollars. But then, when everybody is hating on Dave Ramsey, and I'm I'm just gonna find it in the book. This might this is probably against the rules, but we're not big enough yet. Here we go, chapter six at page eighty-eight. Save a thousand dollars fast. People get mad about baby step number one. What am I gonna do with a thousand dollars? Well, two thirds of y'all don't have four hundred dollars. This is more than double. Walk before you run. I mean, you got to say, I'm not going to read the book because I won't get in trouble with that. But you got to, this is when it gets confusing. And when you hear people knock certain things, it's like, yes, progression, where you actually want to be at the long term. But as I said, the baby steps, starting out, if you don't have $400, 
I mean, at least get the thousand. If you've never had a thousand dollars, why are you mad about saving a thousand dollars? Crazy. Some people are just so crazy, man. This is insane. The book might fall down. Oh my goodness. All right. So 60% of people complain they don't got enough money in their savings account. I bet 56%. So the same amount. Those who say money related issues cause neck impact on mental health say being able to pay for everyday expenses is expecting them. All right. So that's the inflation type of thing. Daily expenses. 66% don't expect a personal situation. Okay. To improve in 2023. That's the outlook. All right. That's the mindset, mental makeup. First thing I recommend build a team. If you're struggling out here, outside, you know, what's your money look like? Who do you have around you slash who are you spending time with? What are your daily inputs? What information are you digesting? Are you feeding off of? Are you need to have people in your circle, whether you know them personally, right? Or I mean, if you're watching this, right, you can you use me, right? I mean, you can reach out to me, but you know, use the content that Jordan and I have up and put information in your head on a day-to-day basis that is helping you progress in life. All right. It's not slowing you down. 63% of those who don't, exp- uh, okay, I read that. Wait, 66% of Americans don't expect their personal financial situation to improve in 2023. 63% of those who don't expect their personal financial situation to improve in 2023 cite high inflation as a reason why. So, you know, two thirds of the two thirds. All right. So, what's it? Uh, of 66 people, what is, is two thirds of that? You know, 36, you know, 37, almost 40% of them are blaming inflation. So 40% of people are blaming inflation. You don't think their finances will improve in 2023. 19% of people said their main financial goal for 2023 is to pay off debt more than any other goal. 60% of U.S. adults say thinking about their personal finances makes them feel anxious. That's as of 2018, Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center, F-I-N-R-A. Okay, that's acronym for Investor Education Foundation. And then 44% of those who say that their financial situation has gotten worse during the pandemic say it will take three or more years to get back to their pre-pandemic finances as as of 2021. No. Your pre-pandemic finances are all over the place. That you probably don't want to go back there. All right. At a glance, the state of America of excuse me, a state of American debt. Average American has 96,370. Average American has, it's not the median, it's the average, $96,371 in debt, according to the latest data available by Experian. I wonder if that includes mortgage mortgages. If it does, that's not, that's not going to be that high. Looks like mortgages are included on here. In 2022, Experian, Experian is saying it's 101000 so in 2021, it was 96 and 2022 was over a little over 100K. Okay, this is saying it includes mortgages. Just share the tab real quick. Here we go, snap. Y'all see the, what is, here we go. Here we go. That average credit score is still the same, but the debt, the debt went up. But it's saying as they're calculating these numbers for how much debt, a little over 100K in 2022. They are including mortgages in here, credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, etc. Okay, cool. So this doesn't that's that's not that bad. If you're talking about the average, because average is higher. I would say I mean, if you're gonna equate mortgages in there. If mortgages and student loans are in there, or student loans in here too. And student, yeah, okay, that's that's not that high. Student student loans, mortgages, car loans, credit cards. I mean, that that's a lot of different points, but 
most people's mortgage is over $100,000, so it makes sense. The average would be that high. As interest rates and rising prices in categories like real estate mean people are taking on more debt for homes, cars, and other pricey loans. Don't take on more debt. Don't let the state of the economy or the, mar the market from, let's say, a housing standpoint or even a, the car market, let that change how much you get. If you qualify for a $400,000 house, so that's your budget, don't let the, oh, no, now the market's gone up and the $400,000 homes we don't like anymore, so now we got to get a half a million dollar home. No, that's how most people operate. Don't operate that way. All right. The average debt balance increased 3.9% from 2020 to 2021, according to Experian. In total, Americans carry $16.71 trillion in debt as of the third quarter of 2022, according to the latest available by the Fed Reserve Bank of New York. All right, here we go. Type of debt. It says of 2021, credit card debt is going to be $5,200. Personal loan. Jeez. When I see people with personal loans, the main reason you have a personal loan is just because you can't put it on a credit card. Like personal loans are always personal loan or signature loan. It's like people, well, never mind. People want the cash. They don't want the, the cash advance. They want cash as in money when they're doing those personal, especially a signature loan. My goodness, you just walk in. How much are you give me for me signing on this piece of paper? Personal loans are 17000 Auto loans, a little under 21000 Student loans, 39500 HELOCs. 39,500 as well. The mortgage is 220,000. But when you, when you combine the HELOC, when you combine HELOC and mortgage, it's going to be a little over around 260. Because the, the HELOC is obviously attached to a house, and most people usually still have a mortgage. That is crazy. Oh my goodness. That's, that's so much. The personal loans are egregious. Car loans aren't that. See, the thing with the car loans is these are all the car loans. Now, the newer car loans, when they talk about what are people getting like in the last six months, those are the numbers that'd be like, I think it's like $700 for the minimum payment. But, you know, this is everyone with the current car loan. So you see a little bit lower number here. Okay. How debt is linked to anxiety? Stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression. I've, I've already said this before. How is anxiety and stress and depression linked? Link depression linked to debt. Anxiety and depression are mental health conditions that affect many U.S. adults. 19.1% of U.S. adults have an anxiety disorder, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, NAMI. And 8.4% of U.S. adults had a major depressive episode in 2020, defined by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration as a period of depressed move that mood that lasts at least two weeks. One could say that also might have been impacted by the fact we had to you know, stay inside. You know, the news was crazy. A lot of people dying, things like that too. Many factors can affect mental health, but money and debt, regardless of someone's income, can have huge effects. Again, we talked about how once you make about 75000 or so, when you adjust for that, it's a little over $100,000 in today's dollars. You really don't have a quote-unquote you know, increase, and in, I think it'd be just view it as happiness once you make that amount of money. So as you see, when it's saying your income doesn't impact your mental health state as far as the various incomes um, don't impact how you feel when it regards the money, that makes sense. When someone is faced with paying back a large percentage of their income, here we go, go got to know when to switch between percentage and whole numbers, right? If, you, if, you, if your debt to income ratio is 50%, it's 50%, all right? 
it can become a major source of stress, anxiety, and depression. Of those who say money has a negative impact on their mental health, 48% say that being in debt is their top issue half, according to Bankrate. I love when Bankrate references their own, <laughs> references themselves. People with debt are three times as likely to have depression, anxiety, and stress from the worry, according to Ames Public Health. Three. That's crazy. And you know, m- most Americans have debt. And so that, that that's, you know, but I, I didn't, this, I mean, this article wasn't out when I was saying this, but that that's why I'm saying this stuff. There, there's a, you know, they're not directly correlated, but they are directly correlated. As your debt goes up, slash, you know, your debt to income ratio is a percentage of how much you have in debt, should I say, based on your income, there's a high percentage chance that your stress, anxiety, and depression go up as well. Okay, I mean, hold on, let me, I gotta take a sip of water, because I I just remember this one. The people who have, you know, the demographic with the highest anxiety and depression issues are single mothers, and the people struggling the most financially are, all right, I mean, you just kind of you gotta start. You gotta start looking at things and be like, "Is this an issue, or is this the the true cause? Is it not that you know you you need the you, do you need medication? If you do need medication, right, that's one thing. Not a not a mental health professional, but is the true issue that you're struggling financially? If we just fix your money problems, will your anxiety and depression, your stress go? Your stress will go down. Your financial stress, by definition, will go down. And if your stress goes down from a financial standpoint, like the anxiety and depression you get from finances, will that impact your overall financial stress? Are you in a better situation? I mean, I can only imagine if you're struggling, if you have children and you're struggling to feed your children. Why? I mean, why wouldn't you be stressed and have anxiety and possibly depression? I mean, why wouldn't you be depressed? You can barely feed your kids, clothe them, have housing for them. I mean, my goodness. Over half of U.S. adults, 52 percent who have a credit, who have had a credit card, Balance, okay, carry already paid interest. Report anxiety. 52% of people who had a credit card balance and carry and have paid interest report anxiety and and stress. My goodness. Perch, sorry, this is global financial literacy. Okay, another company. The study also showed that 36% of people with auto loans and 32% of people with student loans also report anxiety and stress. Most of these people probably all the same set of people. It's likely you got the student loan and the auto loan and the credit card debt. These numbers are so high. Credit card and student loan debt were also frequently mentioned among survey respondents as a major source. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I know, but the way people at least talk about their student loans publicly or what, you know, what the rhetoric is on the internet, I don't see how student loans is really, you know, causing stress and anxiety for people. Y'all just be acting like, I mean, it is what it is, you know. Y'all just say, I gave it to Jesus or whatever it is, you know. I, I really don't see people stressing about their student loans that bad. Because a lot of people just be like, I mean, it's just going to be there forever. Many, especially younger people, can feel even worse about their finances from seeing how their friends and peers spend money. FOMO, 46% of millennials ages 26 to 41, 46% of millennial social media users and 47% of Gen Z social media users, Gen Z is 18 to 25, feel negatively about their financial situation due to others' posts on social media. Mostly people are fake, fake something. Again, it's almost, I mean, we almost halfway through the year, which means it's almost January 1st, 2024. 
2023 is the last year you need to take, you know, advice, direction, whatever from anybody. And you can't easily see their receipts. All right. Now you might have to scroll back because my receipts, you know, they, they way back. It's not my fault. You ain't seeing when I post them. But if you can't see somebody's receipts, this is the last year of 2023 that you take that advice. January 1st, 2024, somebody telling you something, I need to see receipts, bro. Sis, whatever you're calling. I, I need to see the receipts. Are you talking money? You're talking fitness. You're talking some type of diet and stuff, business stuff, technology stuff, all, all these type of things. You get in the bag, things like that. We need to start seeing receipts. And when I start asking for tax returns, I don't want people getting upset. A lot of y'all complain about, you know, how much servers get paid. You know, they don't get paid enough. People need to tip more. Well, do you tip? How much do you give to charity? We start, I mean, we start asking about how much do you donate? If you don't got the money, do you at least donate your time? You can go feed the homeless. It's free to go feed the homeless. I mean, you got, you know, you got to pay money for gas to get there. But like, do you, I mean, how do you help? You know, what do you invest back into society? Or you got, you know, one of the seven, seven deadly sins, gluttony. You just be overconsuming. I know you're overconsuming because you got all this debt. I mean, my goodness. So we going to, you know, we almost there. Like this is the last year. You're going to be able to, you know, BS your way through things. But at some point in time, it's going to be like, you got to show the proof, man. Proof is in the pudding. Where did Bill Cosby? All right. But the issue doesn't just affect younger adults. Financial stress can impact, uh, but also too, most of these people on the internet, they're, they're scammers. Now, now they might have money now, but they scam their way to get money or they're trying to, they might be running out of money. So they're trying to scam again to get money. So they might not have had any money. Now they got legal money because they scammed you. And so now their money is actually real because they didn't took the scammed money and then invested that, you know, it's hard to get a, uh, fruit from the poisonous tree on them because they kind of, you know, already washed all that legal money. Regardless, though, the issue doesn't affect younger adults. Financial stress can impact anyone regardless of background. Men and people without a college degree who say money has a negative impact on their mental health also report more daily negative mental health impacts or effects than others as a result of money. Percentage who say that money has a negative impact on their mental health on a day. This is a daily basis. Men first. Or men, I mean, it's only men, right? The men are 32%, women are 24%. By generation, wow. I'm interested to see what, um, I would see, I mean, I, I, let me see. They don't have how many of each generation they interview, but Gen Z, they're 40% they worry about on a daily basis. Millennials is 36%, Gen X is 46%, and then baby boomers are 17%. And shout out to the sandwich generation. That's where Gen X is, the sandwich generation. They're taking care of their kids and their parents and themselves. So it makes sense they'd be the highest. I forget. I believe it was another, it was a bank rate article. It might, might have been the student loan episode, the live stream. I can't remember. But the Gen X numbers, it was the same trend. Gen Z is the second highest. Millennials, the fourth or the third. Gen, Gen Z had the, Gen X had the highest one. They were it's like, how is Gen X the highest? It's because they're in the sandwich generation. Then by education levels, well, it means it's simple. High school degree or less. High school, Jesus. Yes, if you don't got a high school diploma or a GED, you know, 32% worry about on a daily basis. And that's still crazy. Four-year degree, 25 quarter. That's crazy. Of those who say, okay, that's just a note for that. Okay, How mental health challenges may influence your money management. Just as debt can worsen your mental health, Mental health challenges can make it more difficult to manage your personal finances, only contributing, excuse me, only continuing the cycle and often worsening both. Here are a few ways. 
Okay, so here are a few ways that debt can worsen. Apple Watch update. That debt can worsen your mental health. Debt denial. Debt denial. The stress of debt means that you will sometimes be hesitant to seek help, leading to feeling depressed and or being in denial that you're in debt. How are you going to deny that you're in debt? That's crazy. If debt is accruing interest, which it is, <laughs> or going to collections, is that's worse. The stress can sometimes lead to ignoring your debt repayments, which may only lead to more money owed and a worse mental health outlook. I think this was on the uh, joint bank account episode where I said, y'all need to come sit down with me so I can tell y'all y'all both broke. Some of y'all just denial. Just admit that you're struggling financially so you can move past it, right? Gr grieve. I mean, this was never yourself, but, you know, gr grieve the fake version of yourself that you thought you were doing well. You, you need to grieve that, right? It's the first stage of grief is denial. That's why, and, and a lot of times people want to need to admit that they're grieving so they can then, you know, get through the first stage of, of being in denial. My goodness, compulsive buying, shout out to the credit card debt. We, we've said this, discusses this on every time we talk about that. Spending too much. All right. Not, not sticking to your budget. Remember, executing the transactions, actually staying within your budget on unneeded items. Lifestyle can drive you further into the debt. Yep. You're putting put on credit cards, but it's often used as a way to relieve stress. Stress spending. No, no good. Depression or other negative emotions, according to a 2007 study with the University of Iowa. Understand compulsive spending or stress spending, stress eating, whatever you want to do. But the issue is that people, when people rationalize it, like, yeah, I know you don't have no money, but you're stressed, so you get to go into debt. No, those are the people where you get 2024. It's like, no, 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 no. This person is struggling financially. Why are we okaying them to continue the same habits or not helping them break the habits that got them to this point? It makes no sense. It's, it's different. You know, if Jordan was here from like a health or physical standpoint, let's say you're hurt, right? You can't just go, but you know, you have to rehab, right? So you, you have to take it easy. There's you don't take it easy with your finances when we're talking about cutting spending. We're cutting the spending. You know, no more going out to eat. Zero dollars this month. Zero. It, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. All right. You're going to talk about your stress and depression. You're putting all this. How are you putting all this work and you're in debt? If you're in credit card debt, you didn't put in no work unless your credit card debt is due to a medical issue. That'd be the only time. But outside of that, you can't say you put in work because you spend money you didn't have. Right. Again, car loans, student loans, mortgage. That's a one time decision. Credit card debt is multiple decisions. Daily stress people talk about. All right. Compulsive buying can lead to feeling guilty for spending unnecessarily, and it can create a cycle of spending to soothe anxiety, only to feel worse after the fact. Essentially, essentially drugs. It's like drinking. Though compulsive buying isn't a diagnosable, it needs to be a diagnosable condition in itself. It needs to be. It can often come with other mental health diagnoses. This is... The so again, like I like I like I just said, you know, you're struggling financially, but let's not, you know, tell you to do what's in your best interest. All right, you know, we're not gonna say or diagnose you or anybody with you know comp compulsive on a compulsive spending, but you have this other issue which is called no, you have a compulsive that's your issue. Your issue is that is leading to your stress, your anxiety, depression is your compulsive spending, and that's the cause of your other issues. I talk about financial therapy. And this line right here, they're telling you they won't diagnose you with, you know, 
obsessive spending, whatever, however, whatever, you know, mental words you want to put together, but you spend too much money. That's your issue. And that is the root. That's the stress, the financial stress. That's the root. And that stress is causing all the other anxiety and depression that we medicating you with. They won't, but they won't do that. They won't do that. And why would you? Most, I mean, the, the people in this field, they usually didn't make a good financial decision to get this degree. So you got to be careful listening to them about, hey, you know, or what does Dave Ramsey say? Dave says a shop teacher without fingers. It's like, I don't listen to you. All right. But that, 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 and that's, that's it right there. They won't diagnose you saying, no, your issue is the real issue is that you spend too much money. Right. Not that it's sort of like, uh, no, your hip hurts, but your hip hurts because your knee hurts, but your knee actually hurts because, you know, your ankle hurts. So your ankle is the actual issue. So we got to stabilize, you know, make your ankle stronger. And then that will help relieve the stress and the pain on your knee and your hip. Okay. That's the, it's pipeline right there. Decreased job performance. Depression interferes, yes, with one's ability. Yep, you're struggling financially. And why go to work to this place that's not helping me? That's negative feedback, Lou, to the fullest. Oh, my goodness. I'm going back to this job that nah, I don't like now or whatever it is. My goodness. Interferes with one's ability to complete physical job tasks 20% of the time. That's a lot. And it reduces cognitive performance 35% of the time. Poof. That's according to this. That's according to CDC. Wow. And prevention. It can also affect engagement with work and communication. Decreased job performance can lead direct to lost job opportunities and wages in the future. Correct. People without. And then that's just going to put you in a negative feedback. loop. Now you're making less money. Wages don't keep up with inflation. And now you're not even getting the raise that you should get. Whew. People with, without significant financial resources and those who perceive a larger financial strain from strain from unemployment are less satisfied with their lives. I mean, that's, that's, that's a 2005 study from American Psychological Association that we're towards the end. No, we're not. See, this is a nine-minute read. Yeah, right. Okay. Debt affects how people will be able to meet financial milestones in the future. Duh. I don't even want to read this paragraph. I'm going to. But, I mean, you're spending less money on A. By definition, you're going to have less money for A. I mean, yeah, I mean, Yes. 59% of U.S. adults who took on student loan debt for their education have delayed financial milestones. We talked about this in the student loan episode. And, right, purchasing a house, right, having kids, getting married. Here are some milestones people have had to delay due to student loan debt, according to the March 22 bank rate study, which I might end up looking at during the student loan one. Delayed financial milestones due to student loan debt. Saving for emergencies. That's due to debt in general, 27%. Saving for retirement, 26%. If you're not saving for retirement, it's an emergency. Paying off their debt, 24. Buying a house, 23. Buying or, or leasing a car, 21. I don't know about that. I don't know about the last one, that, that or part. Buying a car, okay. Leasing, I don't know. COVID 19's continued influence on debt and mental health. COVID 19 hasn't just hasn't just affect physical health, it's affected mental health too. As people suffer layoffs, right, furloughs, and other reduced income, one in 10 people believe their finances will never recover. See, that's not that much. One in 10 people believe their finances will never recover from COVID-19. Okay. People were still worried about their ability to pay their expenses a year after COVID first hit the U.S., with 27% of people saying in 2021 that they worried frequently about paying their bills, according to Pew Research. Also, 49% of people who lost wages during the pandemic were earning less money than before the pandemic. 
financial stress statistics by generation. Though debt affects adults of all ages, it doesn't affect all ages equally. Additionally, types of debt or bills people worry about changes as they age. True. Here's how debt stress breaks down depending on age. I mean, mortgages isn't going to impact Gen Z that much. There's going to be credit card and student loan debt probably. 47% of Gen Z feel somewhat stressed about their finances more than any other age group, according to our 2021 study by National Association of Personal Finance Advisors. 82% of Gen Z is stressed about money more than any other group. The, the generate, I mean, I, they're not Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is anxiety because social media has been well documented, documented how much it increases your anxiety and your depression. But 82%, that's pretty much, that's all of them. Eighty-two percent of Gen Z is stressed about money. That's insane. That is insane. Millennials, more than thirty-five percent, feel extremely stressed about their finances than any other age bracket. What? Okay, this okay. They they must have had a you know on a scale of one to five. So millennials feel them are the most ones who feel extremely stressed. Wait, I mean, uh, do they have that? It's a chart down here. They don't have a chart on that. Okay. Um, most millennials feel extremely stressed with only 13% reporting that they are not at all stressed. I'm in that 13. They didn't ask me, but I'm in that 13%. Americans between the ages of 25 and 34, which includes younger millennials, have the largest amount of student loan debt of any age bracket. Correct. Wait, wait till Gen Z start getting in them. Gen Z is 18 to 25. So it's not enough of them yet, but in 10 years, them Gen Z numbers are going to be crazy. When Gen Z and Gen Alpha, once Gen Alpha, that's going to be like the twenty, the mid to late 2030s, when we get there and we start seeing them Gen Alpha and Gen Z numbers flushing out, it's going to be crazy how bad some of these numbers are going to look. For Gen X, 34% of Gen X says they're extremely stressed about finances. 33% say they're somewhat stressed, according to NAP, NAPFA, NAP, NAPA, NAPA. Gen X has the most mortgage debt. True, right? It makes sense. Any generation, according to bank rate, the average is $259,100. Baby boomers have some of the lowest stress, right? I mean, they about to get up out of here, but you know, this is the people who should have the most amount of money. Many age bracket, but it's by a slim percentage. So it's only 19% of baby boomers report being extremely stressed about finances. The highest percentage, 33%, are only slightly stressed. According to okay, NAFA, baby boomers have a lower average mortgage, ninety-eight thousand. That's still almost a hundred K for baby boomers. That's crazy. But then again, too, they might have took out a second mortgage or HELOC, or they might have bought bought a house, you know, later in age because their income is the highest. Then millennials or Gen X, but yeah, okay, all right. And since they've had longer to pay it off, right? Okay, yeah, slower. However, they have the second highest credit card debt of any demographic after Gen Z. 6,300, Financial stress statistics by income. Here we go. Making a high salary doesn't necessarily mean you won't have stress or anxiety. Yeah, don't make six figures and have six figure type of debt. That's a problem. But also don't don't not make six figures and then have six figure type of debt. That's that's worse. But you know, keeping up with the Joneses inflation, inflation lifestyle inflation. Mean you won't have okay, but it does lower your chance of anxiety about personal finance, according to that acronym. 
GFLEC and FINRA's 2021 study, the study that looks at how people of different income brackets report feeling anxiety when thinking about personal finances. Here's how the responses break down. Okay. Annual income of less. Now, why they got people, I mean, again, all encompassing data, but why they got people in poverty in here? You make it less than $25,000. I don't want, I don't, I don't need to ask you about your stress, anxiety, and depression around finances. You're in poverty. Got a hole in my lip. Excuse me. I'm sloppy. And if you make less than 25, if you're in poverty, I mean, my goodness. All right, whatever. For people who have an annual income of less than 25,000 percent feeling anxious about personal finances, 67 percent percent. And but also to the great thing about this stat is we're going to see, you know, how much of a difference there is in between people in poverty and people not in poverty. Percentage feeling neutral about personal finances, 18 percent percentage not feeling anxious about personal finance, 15 percent of people who are in poverty, don't worry about their finances. Shout out to them government subsidies. All right, for 25,000 and 50,000, 64, 18, 18, 50,000, 75,000, 59, 19, 22, 75 to 100K is 58, 16, 26, then 100K plus is 46, 17, 37. I'm just analyzing these numbers. I mean, it's only a tw- it's only a twenty one percent difference between people who make over hundred k and people who make less than twenty five thousand about feeling anxious about personal finances. Most people feel neutral. That's crazy. The neutral numbers is 18, 18, 19, 16, and seventeen percent. So everyone feels exact. Mo- everyone, regardless of your income, how you feel is you know when it's just uh, neutral is the same. And then what this shows is the more money you make, the less you feel. Um, anxious about your personal finances, but the delta isn't that high. It goes from 15 to 18 to 22 to 26 to 37. So a little like the tax brackets. So it, it you know, is it's double from you know being in poverty less than 25%, but it's not as you know high as you think it was, since everyone feels neutral, the same percentage regardless of income. That's crazy. But just think, I mean, unless you make unless you make over a hundred thousand, sixty percent of people who make less than $100,000 are anxious about personal finances. Again, that sort of correlates with the two thirds of people, 400. This is why I love looking at statistics. Look, this is this is showing in short that roughly two thirds of people who make less than $100,000 are stressed about or anxious about their personal finances. And then you have the two thirds of people don't have $400. Crazy. Still, still almost half the 46% is almost 50 of people who make over 100K feel anxious about personal finances. All right, here we go. Here's solutions. Three ways to cope with anxiety about debt. Number one, wait, here we go. Debt can seem like too large of a burden to tackle. It can be. Don't try to tackle all of it, though. Break it down to small chunks. But there are, are ways not to only take care of your debt, but to take care of yourself too. As like I say, if, you're, if we're trying to pay off hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, we're not going to pay off. We're not going to pay off hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. We're going to execute one budget a month, and if we do that, you know, twenty four times, thirty six times, whatever it breaks down to, that will pay it off. We don't look at trying to knock out the whole big thing. We look at executing one budget a month. Face your debt and your fears. That can seem like an insurmountable problem, but there, if you don't have a budget, it seems like that. 
but there are small steps you can take to begin managing it. Start to pay off your debt by paying more than a minimum payment. Okay, snowball method is what we recommend here on Court in Full Effect and using strategies like snow. I didn't even read ahead snowball method. This is one of the few that recommend the snowball method where you pay off your debt from the smallest amount to the largest amount over the avalanche. Exactly which strategy you choose would depend on your debt and financial situation, but that first step can lead to long-term financial mental wealth mental wellness yeah you're on a budget list your debts snowball methods smallest to largest don't look at the interest rate and make the minimum payments on everything and then anything extra you can squeeze out of your budget you put towards that lowest balance all right then once you pay off that the smallest balance you roll that minimum payment plus the extra that you put into the second smallest balance let's say you got a credit card that is five hundred dollars and the minimum payment is fifty dollars and you have um two hundred dollars extra that you can put towards um your debt so you're going to put technically 250 dollars towards that credit card for the first month and then you're going to put another 250 towards it the following month that's going to be 500 dollars going to be done in two months then you're going to go to your next credit card let's say it's a thousand dollars and let's say that minimum payment was a hundred dollars so you made that minimum payment the first two months that you were putting extra towards the smallest credit card that was five hundred dollars and then now that it's month three you have the fifty dollar minimum payment back into your budget you roll that over or snowball it to the next smallest debt so now you're making 150 dollar payment towards your thousand dollar credit card which is now going to be you know there's interest but let's just say it's now going to be at 800 dollars this month because two months have gone by in the third month but remember as well you still have that 200 that you can put extra towards your debt so now technically you're putting the hundred dollar minimum payment that you're already making on this one thousand dollar credit card you paid off the smallest credit card that had the $50 minimum payments. So that's $150 going towards a $1,000 credit card. And then you have the $200 that you're already putting towards the smallest credit card of $500, the snowball. And now you roll that all over to the $1,000 credit card. And now you're putting 200 plus 50 plus 100 is $350 towards that credit card. It's $800 in this example. And you're going to pay that off in three months, right? I mean, three times three is 900. You can pay off in three months. Then you snowball that over that $100 minimum payment you get back. You just keep snowballing until you get all your debt paid off and you're making your minimum payments obviously the whole time on all of your debts. And then depending on, you know, whose advice you take, if you want to expedite it, you stop your retirement, even taking the match or you at least take your match, but you stop going out to eat, scorched earth, things like that. Do everything you can, increase your income, you sell things and put all that money towards your debt. A lot of people are struggling financially because they don't have the wiggle room or the cash flow and their budget to sustain things that pop up. And so now you get some of these minimum payments back. Just think in this case, in five months, this person is going to have, you know, another 200, excuse me, another $150. It's like, what's $150? It's like, well, that's a lot because most people don't got 400 right? They had $200 to start, which is most of the cases living paycheck to paycheck. And they paid off these two credit cards in less than six months. And I got $150 minimum payment back, uh, and minimum payments back in the budget. Okay, now they're at 350. You know, make, making some progress. And that's the stuff that people, you know, they, they want all these fast, you know, they're not, not these fast wins. They want quick success, should I say, not fast wins. Because the snowball method can get you some fast wins when it comes to paying off your debt if you have real small balances. But they think all their debt's going to be paid off in like a week. Like, you don't, you don't got no money. I mean, sometimes you can, you know, rack up the debt really quick. But a lot of times you've been accumulating this debt over years. Like, it's been sitting here forever. And so why, why do you think you can pay it off that fast? Second thing, prioritize where you can. Don't prioritize where you can. Prioritize. You, you, I already prioritized for y'all. Necessities, debt payments, investments, lifestyle. If you're trying to aggressively get out of debt, necessities, debt payments, and discussion. 
Budgeting and taking on a side hustle, increasing your income are great ways to prepare toward your debt repayment, but start with smaller steps. Instead of trying to take on too much at once by trying to put half of your paycheck toward debt repayment or savings, try putting aside small amounts every paycheck to help manage financial stress in the long run without it being overwhelming. No, just do a budget. The, the issue, and we talked, I mean, they said it, right? Face your fears contradicting people won't face their fears admit the grieve grieve denial admit that you're struggling financially then once you get over that that's the overwhelming part the overwhelming part is not executing the budget and reducing your lifestyle the overwhelming part is recognizing that all these posts you made on social media and all the stunting you was doing you shouldn't have been doing it you played yourself that that's the overwhelming part is admitting the situation that you're in when in doubt yes ask for help whether it's asking for help for your debt from a nonprofit debt credit counseling agency, don't don't do. I mean, do what you want to do, but that stuff that stuff is useless. There's too much information out here for free. Or asking for mental help through a licensed professional. Yes, if you need mental help, you need to seek it. You aren't alone in looking for relief from stress and anxiety caused by debt. But see, if it's caused by debt, then just get rid of the debt. It's different if you're talking about trauma childhood trauma like how you know it, it, that's a memory like we can't go back in the past and undo it but with the debt which is from the past we can pay that off and get rid of it this is where it gets confusing but this is why you know i'm on the tech side talking to someone about your stress can be huge a huge lifeline when debt seems too big to tackle alone i understand that talking to someone about stress when the debt seems too much but maybe you need to go to work that's why I said there's all this free information. So it's one thing, yes, you know, seek mental health. But if, if you're struggling financially and the real reason you're struggling financially and they see your mental, the mental health person, they won't diagnose you with struggling financially as your actual issue. No compulsive buying isn't a diagnosable condition. They won't diagnose you with spending too much. That's your issue. That's your issue. They won't diagnose you with that. But since they won't diagnose you with that, one would say, yeah, maybe don't pay. Now, if you get it for free, that's one thing. Or your insurance pays for it and you have to pay for it. That's one thing. But maybe don't spend money on a therapist because you don't actually need, quote unquote, therapy. You just need to go make some money and pay off your debt and get on a budget. And there's plenty of free resources. If you listen to this or if you know someone who's struggling financially or we you know with their mental health, but, you know, you know, their finances is complete crap. You can send them this is a complete, completely completely there's a whole bunch of information out here for free that will help you with your finances and, and get you out of debt for free for for free i got out of debt for free all right so yeah and you and you think again and this it gets so confusing you no know, you know cutting back on the starbucks you no know, you need to cut back on the starbucks don't go to starbucks no more whatever you're spending the money on you're spending ten dollars a day on coffee that's fifty dollars a, a week okay four weeks that's two hundred dollars a month that's insane you, can, you can't afford to do that all right. You can't afford to do it because the issue is you're building the bad habits. You're not understanding that you can't make that finance. Getting Starbucks every day is a bad financial decision if you're struggling financially. This is why you got to cut it out. Oh, no, don't cut them out. They're struggling or they've been putting in work. OK, here we go. Here we go. And th things are about to come to a head when this, this student, you know. I hope they I hope they overturn and finally get all the student loan debt back on people's books in the sense of one on petty. But the advice of, you know. Don't pay it off. Find ways of negative. No, pay off your debt. Pay off all of it. Pay off all of it. Because if you don't pay it all off, they can put it back on. I've already said this before. They can put it back on the books. Who do y'all think y'all are? Insanity. 
that it again written by Lane Glipsy, writer for Bankrate, and this is edited by Tori Rubloff. All right, again, and go back to the top answer. Debt and mental health statistics. How it impacts again stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression, depression, self deletion. You're not anxious and depressed. You're just broke. It's crazy. Again, I'm gonna go back to it. This is a great one. I mean, shout out to the student loan episode, but I mean, this this is competing with some of those student loan quotes. Though compulsive buying isn't a diagnosable condition in itself, it can often come with other mental health diagnoses. Why don't they just make it a mental health diagnosis? I guess that's when I'm out of my league, but let's be very clear. If you sit down and you know, you're a mental health therapist and they're like, yeah, we think your real issue is that you have your, your mental health and all this. The root cause is that you just can't control your damn spending. That that's the, that's an actual cause of your other mental health issues that you don't control your spending. And what you need to do is actually not come here anymore and spend money on us. You need to put this money towards your debt. And if you work, you know, financial plan, to get out of debt for a couple of months. See, a lot of y'all think you got to do it for, to pay off the whole debt. Your financial stress, your anxiety, all that type of stuff, depression, that it doesn't take, everybody's situation is different, but that it doesn't take you the whole debt payoff timeline, two years, three years, whatever your is, yours is, to get your stress, your anxiety, and depression reduced. You just need to start getting some of these smaller debts that you have, these minimum payments back in your budget, so you have more cash flow. And a lot of you in a situation where it's not even barely six months if you lock in and execute. If you get with me, if you if you do what I tell you to do, in six months you'll be in a completely different situation. You gotta come in, you gotta be one of the people who got, you know, three, four times, you know, and you know, debt, and you know, you make 40k, your student loans is two hundred thousand. You gotta be one of those people. But most people are in a situation where it's gonna take them barely six months to lock in and get some stuff paid off to where they're in a better situation where they don't feel as stressed or as anxious or depressed. Overall, not just when it comes to finances, but overall, and their finances is the root cause. But hey, I'm not a mental health professional, and they're telling us they will not diagnose you with compulsive buying. They will say it's a secondary cause, but they will not diagnose you at diagnose you with it as the primary cause and the root of your other issues. Insane, insane. But alright, y'all, that's it. Locked and loaded. End of the episode. It got a little bit dark. Still, sun's still out, but you know, it's, I mean. Guys, I forgot. I forgot. We're on the way to summer, so the days get longer. Anyways, remember the first day of summer is the longest day of the year, which means as we go through the summer, the days get shorter and shorter. So as you get closer and closer to the first day of summer, the days get longer and longer. Anyways, though, I wish Jordan was here, you know, to complain about you know when does summer start. Regardless, stress, anxiety, anxiety, depression, self-deletion. Your mental health is key. It's very important. I'm not one of these people who don't believe that you don't know there's no such thing as stress, anxiety, or depression, and things like that. I mean, people do terminate themselves but we have to have a conversation about what the actual cause is we just read in this article now this this wasn't a mental health article right this was a bank rate article but we just read that compulsive buying is something you can get diagnosed with it's a secondary so it's not the primary cause secondary which don't make no sense how can it how can it be something that you know is a side effect but what we so we can't think about making it another primary effect what is it called the primary maybe it's not the side effect maybe it's the primary issue your primary issue for your mental health issues is compulsive buying, which means you're going into debt because you don't make enough money. So going into debt, spending too much money, that is your issue. Bank rate just said, though, you can't get diagnosed with it. That's crazy. So that's it. Y'all locked and loaded again. Make sure that like button, share and subscribe. Shout out to the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you leave those rating reviews. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think about the video. If you have any questions, concerns, you reach out to myself 
or my co-host Jordan. I'm sideline underscore Corey. Jordan is stop stalling J. Stop stalling J. J A Y on the social media platforms. And if you need to reach out to myself for financial coaching information, that information is in the show notes on YouTube. And if you need to reach out to Jordan for financial, financial, you can reach out to Jordan financial information. He's going to send you to me. But if you need to reach out to Jordan for health slash fitness information, virtual training, that information is in the show notes. Or you can go to his website, www. Is it www? Finally fit live. I don't know if it's www. Should be w. Why, why am I saying that? It's w. Yeah, it's www. Finally fit All right, y'all. That's it. If you guys need anything, please reach out to us. I told you it's this hour right on the dot. Insane. <laughs> I'm about to go eat. I got to do some studying. But again, how that was I not showing this? How finances impact your mental health? It's a discussion that needs to be had. People don't want to have a discussion. I still got the Bible talk that's sitting here on the table. One day I'm going to do this Bible talk stuff. Please, please, please get on a budget. Student loans, shout out to student loans. If y'all, if y'all, the episode's over, but you know, here I go on my little rant towards the end. If y'all think stuff is, you know, the economy thing is, is crazy now, wait until these student loans start back up. High percentage chance is about to be crazy. When these student loans get back on, because remember, people don't. Hmm. Mo- most people are struggling financially. And I mean, like right now without the student loans, when these student loans kick back on, what y'all think it's going to be like? And most people are in a situation where they've been paying down their student loans during uh, this forbearance. So they won't be able to refinance their student loan to the, uh, to lower their minimum payment. Shout out to my clients who did do this, but and you got to tap in with me, put you in a better position. But at least, you know, you're in a situation where even if the forgiveness does come through, you're still going to have debt. If you've been paying it off this whole time, at least you can refinance and get a lower minimum payment, like an extremely lower minimum payment because your balance is lower. Not just refinance, get a lower interest rate, so you get a smaller payment, but uh, an extremely lower one because you've been paying down the debt for, I mean, over three years now. We over 36 months in. That's crazy. All right, y'all, make sure y'all pay attention to what's going on out here. Do what you can to increase your income, increase streams or revenue streams. Stick to your budget. All right. Time, time. We, we still got we still got some hard times to go through as far from an overall economic standpoint in the general sense of it. Stuff hasn't, quote unquote, turned the corner yet. And you know, there are ups and downs in our economies. You know, it flows. Ecosystem is going to rain. All right. So we're, we're in the storm part right now. You got to lock in. You got to focus. All right, get your money up. But that's it. Remember to save more and say less. Keep making better your best. And I'll catch y'all in the next one.